Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. It's a big week for a lot of us, and I think that we've got a lot to talk about. But again, short and sweet, that's where I'm going with this. So if you've been with us lately, Dusty has been in a series that is really preparing our hearts and our minds for the new year. I think a lot of us think about the new year and all the big things that we want to do. And it's really exciting, but it can also be a little bit scary because how do you just make all these big, big, big changes January 1 when you've been living a life that doesn't really reflect like steps towards those changes. So here we are trying to prepare our hearts and our minds and understand like how has God created you and are you willing to walk into those big things that he has for you in the new year? So that's what I want to keep in mind as we focus right now on the holiday season in this message. But the big picture is like what we're learning today, we can also do January 1 and beyond. This is not exclusive to the holiday season. So this week is Thanksgiving, which is wild. Like, really, it's crazy to me that here we are. It's Thanksgiving week. As Heather mentioned, lots of you have family in town. Uh, folks that are out of town, you might be online, you might be just enjoying time with your family. This is the week. It is Thanksgiving and everything goes from here to the end very quickly. So let's take time today to just think about what the, the, what the holiday means and what time with family means, but also what it does in our hearts. So for me, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. I love Thanksgiving and really I love the entire week. And I think it's that extra time with family that you see often, but, you know, school is canceled. And so you get to spend time with people. You also have family who travel in. And for us, there's family members I haven't seen since last year. So I'm super excited to be able to catch up with them and just spend time with them. Um, And family is just really, really important to me. And so I grew up, to give you a little background on family, in super south texas i mean some of you will know this is corny but this is the state of texas a lot of michigan people do the hand thing right this is the state of texas and uh, i'm like bottom tip real far south i just tell people usually south padre island mexico cool that's where i'm from but it's in texas Um, and we have a huge family as you can imagine so thanksgiving for us was inviting everyone i mean siblings, of course, their spouses, all the aunts, all the uncles, cousins, people who were family but weren't really family, you know. And we just invited everyone, and we spent the entire day together, which I think for some of you, you maybe spend like one quick meal and then you're, you're out, you know. I mean, we spent the entire day together, and we loved it. And so just on the other side of this wall is um, our kids' rooms, right? My cousin's back there, Karina. I mean, we grew up super South Texas our whole life, like every Thanksgiving, We were together, and now she's up here in the preschool, so my daughter's not running around out here while I'm trying to talk. Um, So I'm really grateful for her. But Thanksgiving was huge. We invited everyone, and uh, while some families might uh, do like a turkey trot as a family, you know, go out and run a 5K, um, that wasn't really our style. I think that's very admirable, um, but that wasn't us. So we would just eat a really big meal, And then we would all blame the turkey for wanting to take a nap because that's what the turkey does, right? It makes you want to take a nap. We'd get over that. And then we would round everyone up and go outside. 
And we had this huge lot in front of our house, and we would all go out there, guys, gals, old, young, whatever, and we would play a game of touch football. And uh, it would you would think, like, oh, you can call that the turkey bowl. Like, no. Our family, it was the tamale bowl. So the tamale bowl for you. Um, tamale bowl. And uh, we would go out there, and we would play touch football. And it was super fun, and obviously, like, lots of laughs because you know, grown-ups and adults and that whole thing. And then we would decide when it was over, when, you know, whatever team gave up their pride and decided the last score wins, you know, we would all go inside. We'd let the soreness set in, and then we'd go for round two of dessert because that's recovery nutrition. You, you worked out, you got to have some pie. And then we would watch the Dallas Cowboys on, 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 on TV. Like, that was the thing. Watch the Cowboys with very painful optimism because every year you knew what the Cowboys were going to do, but you were going to cheer for them until the very end when then they did what they did. So um, that's what we did every single year. And now, well, a lot of us are far apart. Um, I mean, I'm up here in Colorado, so lots of my family are in Texas. So we won't get to do that. We won't do the tamale bowl. We'll hop on FaceTime and kind of catch up and see what everybody's doing and what they're up to. And then we can console each other when the Cowboys do what they do. Um, but mostly, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit different now. So I love what it is now. And for us now, my favorite thing when I think about Thanksgiving is just getting into the kitchen with the family and doing family recipes, which are cool because there are a lot of ones that I didn't grow up with, right? Because I'm with my in-laws and there's family recipes that, I mean, I eat them now, but I didn't know like where they came from and, and how that all became a family favorite and stuff. So that's awesome. Family recipes are huge. Then you find some on the internet that have thousands, thousands of great reviews and you got to add those in, you know, for the people that do like change, you got to put those in there too. Um, so getting in the kitchen, that's what inspired this. When Dusty gave me the opportunity to talk, I think Thanksgiving, I think food, I think recipes. That's what I do outside of, you know, church stuff too. I love nutrition and food and so cooking, it kind of made sense. And then my brain went to, okay, like I love Jesus. Jesus gave us the Bible. Jesus ate with people in the Bible. So what can we learn from the times where Jesus was at somebody's table, just living life and eating food with them? So here we are. Um, two quick things before I jump in is one, a family recipe. You and I, family, not family, like why am I so quick to give up this family recipe, which like are usually pretty exclusive? And then two, do you even care about recipes? I don't know. You might just want to eat and not have anything to do with making the food, which is fine. Everyone has their place. So quit litmus test. Um, we can't run genealogy tests on everyone, but to help us understand where, we're, where we stand family-wise, we have a quick test that I need your participation to determine whether or not you and I are family, okay? It's really simple. You just give your answer, be honest, don't be honest. It's up to you. Um, but it's really simple, I promise. Okay? So here's the question. Who came down from heaven, died for our sins, and rose from the dead? Jesus. Well done, everybody. So boom, like if you said Jesus, we're family, right? God is our heavenly father that makes you and I like heavenly siblings, right? So here we are. We are family, and now you are welcomed to receive this family recipe that I have to share for with you. Um, and again, if, if this is not where you're at, if you and I are not heavenly siblings and you're just like, whatever, that's okay too. Just 
hear me out on this. You can get a recipe. I promise it's super easy and one that you will remember. And then you can do what you want to do with it. But um, you're here today, so you might as well stay tracking with me um, because here we are. So we look in the Bible, we figure out, all right, Jesus ate with people. We understand that. Let's find where he ate with people. And there's a lot of places, so don't worry. I only chose three. And um, we will look at that together and figure out, okay, Jesus said things. Uh, he told stories. They called them parables. And that's how he taught people different things. And so we'll look at some of those. And then other times he's just going to straight out call somebody out and that you don't have to un you don't have to try to figure out. You can just see like, oh, wow, this is what Jesus said about that person. Um, so we want to figure out what we can take away uh, and apply this week, the rest of the year and beyond. So here we are. The first story is found in Luke chapter 7. And it's okay if you don't have a Bible because we have it here. Um, the title of the story in my Bible is Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. So already ouch on that because that's, all, that's how we get to know this woman. She's called a sinful woman and we don't know her name and we don't get to hear her name. But uh, let's move beyond that, but, but a little bit ouch there. So we start with verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, which I think is pretty cool already. He reclined at the table. I used to get in trouble all the time as a kid for leaning my chair back. Had I known that it was in the Bible that Jesus reclined at the table, that would have looked a little different. Um, so he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Then, uh, or as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So I'll do a quick pause on that because, all right, so the sinful woman, she invited herself, like already. I can think of so many times where I'm invited to something and I don't really know a lot of the people, but I'm invited at least. And I'm already self-conscious and kind of like, ooh, a little awkward, right? But I'm invited there. This woman invited herself, and then she goes directly to the guest of honor, which is Jesus. She goes straight to him, and then she starts doing this, which is like, we'll learn hospitality. And back in the day, like, they, you know, they wore sandals and the streets were super dirty. There's no pavement. So it's like a big deal. Your feet are not clean at all. And here's what she's doing, right, to Jesus. So really, really bold move by her. I have to say already that she invited herself, went straight to Jesus, and then here's what she does. Um, so already something to learn there. Um, moving on. When the Pharisee who had, had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Quick pause there, because that's interesting. Jesus heard Simon's thoughts. Like, that's pretty amazing, but that's also slightly scary, don't you think? Like, Simon thought this. Jesus heard it, and now he's going to talk to him. I have something to tell you. Like, oh, if your parents say that to you, you know, when you're little, like, like we need to talk or whatever, you know. I mean, guess if your spouse says that to you, it could be a little, right? So, I mean, already, like, it's just crazy that Jesus heard Simon's thoughts. And I had to point that out because that's amazing. But on the other side of that is 
that we all have like a whole bunch of thoughts, like some good ones, some not so good ones. All day long you have thoughts. Jesus knows all of them and he still loves you unconditionally. All of them. There's no conditional love and like, oh, that was a bad thought. So now I withhold love. Like, no, he loves all of you, including all of your thoughts. So really cool. Moving on. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. So this is Jesus telling Simon, right? He said, I have something to tell you. Simon says, okay, tell me. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one will love him more? We'll keep going. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So this is a parable, right? He's teaching Simon something about what happens here. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? So now we're real life where he used the parable and now he's going to straight up talk to Simon. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. So therefore I tell you her sins have been forgiven as great as her great love has shown. I'm going to say that again because I don't want to mess that part up. This is important. This is Luke 7, 47. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. That's huge. The other guests began to say among themselves, this is where, you know, people like chatter behind people's backs. The other guests have begun to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So there's a lot there. I know we could like park there for a while, but I have two things from this that really stood out to me. One is when Jesus calls out Simon's lack of hospitality. So for us this week, Thanksgiving, other holiday gatherings, whatever, Christmas, whether you're hosting or you're not hosting, you could be at your house, anywhere else, really. We are called to be warm and welcoming. So this woman, the woman who invited herself, let her love be the most welcoming. And Simon, not so much. He missed it there and Jesus called him out. Like it wasn't enough to just invite Jesus. There was all these things that he could have done that he didn't do, probably because he felt like a little, like he was on the in crowd with Jesus, a little entitled, like he was doing pretty good. So, but this woman laid it all out there and Jesus compared Simon to her. And so Jesus points out that her actions of gratitude and love are really stemming from her forgiveness that she felt. So that's that verse, Luke 7, 47, and why I didn't want to botch it when I was reading. Um, my mother-in-law let me a book this week, and it's from Max Lucado, and he had this story in there, and he was talking about Luke 7, 47 principle. That is, you have to be able to receive forgiveness to be able to give love. If you feel that forgiveness, you'll understand what it what it means and how it feels to give love to other people. So 
that's the point here we go for my first story. Let your love be warm and welcoming. Again, like doesn't matter if you're hosting or not hosting. You're there. You're with people. Be warm and welcoming. So we've got another story. Here we go. Um, the second story is found in Luke chapter 10. And this story is titled At the Home of Mary and Martha, which for me was an obvious fit for this message. This is what we're talking about. So this one says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> I can say this because I know what this feels like. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Ouch. <laughs> That's, this is another one. You don't need a parable. Or Jesus doesn't need to use a parable to talk about this point. Like he is direct and it is quick. It is just, here's Martha saying, this is what I need. And don't you see all these things? But he is very, very, very clear, which is a great reminder. If you are hosting, right, you know, there's a million things you have to do. So let's figure out what we can do like ahead of time behind the scenes, right? So that when people show up to your house, you are very clear on this reminder. Jesus does not want us to be such busy Marthas that we miss out on the goodness of being Mary's, right? And what is Mary doing? Mary is undistracted and she is enjoying her time with Jesus. And that's huge, right? And so I know because I need this like to myself all the time. I want it to be so good for everyone that I get super busy, and then I need to stop and be like, okay, like, let me pile the dishes neatly, but do I have to do them all right now? Like, no, right? Uh, I need to be with my family and my friends who are here, um, which is huge. Um, but then also on the flip side of that, I will say there is a saying, many hands make light work. Have you heard that? Many hands make light work. So if you're not hosting, if this is not your house, you can't ignore all of the effort that it takes to host a large family gathering. And we know from the rest of the Bible that Jesus, yeah, he reclined at the table in the last story, but Jesus is a servant leader. That means he came to serve, right? So instead of ignoring like everything that it takes to host, like let's be here in this room, let's be the people at our family gathering or friend gathering or whatever it is that are quick to jump in and help, right? Who pop up and say like, hey, what do you need? How can I help? Like, you know, and it's not like, oh, well, you don't need, like, no, tell me what to do. Here I am, I'm, I'm gonna help, right? Because we can do that and we should do that. And many hands will make light work. It won't take as long and that'll free up the host to spend time with family. And also we, um, you know, our elementary friends are here in the room with us. I spend a lot of time on the other side of this, uh, over in their room, hanging out with them. And I will tell you, we have some amazing young people and you think like, oh, they're just kids. Like, eh, you know, I'm not going to ask because what can they do or whatever. But honestly, I am here to tell you, I will tell you, kids are so much more capable than we think they are. If we give them responsibility, 
if we like coach them up and encourage them and like set them up, right. Don't just like tell them what to do and not like show them or guide them. And then they like break stuff and you freak out like, no, like set them up. Right. Um, but they can do so much more and you see them like sitting and on their phones and with their friends or whatever, like, sure, that's fine. They're enjoying quality time with each other and all these things. But like, I will challenge you, like choose one instead of here's what, here's what you could do. You could say, Hey guys, who wants to help me clear the table? Crickets. Nobody's going to say who's going to pop up. That's, you know, under, I don't know, 14 or whatever to pop up and clear the table. Probably not going to happen unless you're one of the kids that's in this room, because I think that those kids will, but most of the time they won't. So choose one, find a niece or nephew you haven't seen in a while, start up a conversation with them. If you genuinely want to know what's going on in their life and ask them, Hey, can you help me? Blah, blah, blah. And keep chatting while you're doing something. You'll make it much more fun, right? Because you're chatting and then you'll knock out a chore together. You've given them an opportunity to contribute. You've gotten to know them like it's a win-win. And if you need a visual reminder, if, if you can't think of anyone that you're just like, oh, I don't know. Um, here we go. I've asked for permission, so I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to just poke your head to the back booth over there. This is called our sound booth. This is a quick poke. You'll see Dennis on the right with a nice goatee. Dennis is here every Sunday. He serves like so selflessly. I know all the, uh, so many people in this room have received so much from Dennis's love and just the way he cares for people, right? He's here every Sunday. Next to him is Caleb. Yes. Caleb is in seventh grade and Caleb is Dennis's son. So you might think like, oh, he just sits back there with his dad which would be really cool if he did, right? That he's in seventh grade and wants to sit back there with his dad. Like that's, wow, good good job. But actually, Caleb is back there running sound. So the reason I can use this microphone and the reason people can hear me online is because Caleb does that. He stepped in when they asked like, hey, do you think you could help with whatever, whatever, he's, teach me. And he's on it. And this is his second, third week, I don't know, second, second week, amazing job. And Caleb is in seventh grade. If you give them responsibility and the opportunity, they will show up and they will probably blow your expectations. So ask a young person to hop in and, and help you uh, or help others to serve uh, on Thanksgiving Day, holiday gatherings, all that good stuff. My last point there on that story was to let our love be undistracted and enjoyed with others. Last story. Here we are in Luke chapter 11, and this one again, it's important for a whole bunch of reasons, but we're only going to point out a couple that we can carry into the holidays. So the name of the story is Woes on the Pharisees and the Experts in the Law. And in this story, there's actually seven woes. So that's a lot of call outs by Jesus, but we're only going to talk about one. And, um, and this is when I think Again, we'll learn a bunch from this. So here we go. Um, Luke 11, verse 37. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. Real quick, a Pharisee, if you're not sure what that means, those were just the religious leaders of that time that were like the super holy rollers, and you were supposed to look to them to get religious guidance. So he went in and reclined at the table. Again, super cool. Jesus is awesome. But the Pharisee, was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Again, it's like outside's really dirty and you're supposed to do all these rituals and washing is one. Then the Lord said to him, 
Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? Like another ouch. But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. So Jesus knew the whole backstory of these Pharisees and how they would like pray out loud and do all these things so that all these eyes would look at them and think like, wow, look at that person. He's so holy. Like, I can't be like that or whatever, you know? And so he just knew that on the inside, these Pharisees were just like all for show. And I think, again, oftentimes I think about parenting stuff and Jesus and parenting. And I just know the phrase, do as I say, not as I do. You guys know that one? Do as I say, not as I do, right? I mean, growing up again, South Texas, I'd be outside with my dad and we had a ranch. So we do all this like fun stuff. And he always included us. I mean, we did all the work and things with him and he taught us and then we wanted to do it. And I remember all the time before he would do something risky, like, eh, it's probably not okay. Do it as I say, not as I do. Boom, he would do it, you know? And it was like half joke, but also like, I need to get this done real quick. This is not the right way to do it. But don't like, don't do this. I'll tell you next time how to do it the right way. But now I see that, right? All the time. And even back then, Jesus in the same, uh, in another like account of this story, he actually says that directly about the Pharisees. Do as they say, not as they do. And so that's where that phrase was coined. Um, you might not have known it was from the Bible, but we live in a culture that is really, they care and they prioritize a lot the exterior and not much the interior. And while we might think like, oh, that's just the day and age we live in and social media and whatever, like, no, Jesus talked about that way back then. He says that about the Pharisees. That's sad and that's really, really shallow. And Jesus calls it out. So it's not a new problem. And again, those Pharisees were the holy rollers. They looked real good, nice and clean. But on the inside, he's saying that they were greedy and it was just like dirty inside. So again, we don't need to <laughs> go into, there's a lot more phrases, right? Don't judge book by cover, its cover and all those things. There's so many and they're so true. And so in this, I want us to learn a couple of things. And that is that one is like, we, we can't only care about the outside. Jesus cares about the inside, right? We know this because Jesus said it. And so he said in there like the cup and the dish and I have cups all the time because, you know, coffee every day and whatever. And you would think like, oh, wow, this looks clean. It's nice and shiny. Like I want to use this cup. But if you knew on the inside and it's hard to see if it was gross on the inside, like, of course you don't want to use that cup. And Jesus wants us no matter what, even when our insides are dirty, but he already knows. And so what he wants and what I think I learned a lot from this is the holidays get really busy and they can also get superficial gifts, 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 and what we're buying and what you're getting and all this stuff. So like, let's pause and let's think about this. Okay, God, can you point out any blind spots in my heart that I need to know about? And then you find them and you're like, Ooh, like another, <laughs> that's dirty. And then you ask for forgiveness because we know that Jesus loves us no matter what. And he forgives us. And then we ask him to just renew our hearts. Like we're forgiven, we're clean. Like let's go on and let's live our lives that way. Instead of like the Pharisees where they looked all good on the outside, but they were dirty, dirty on the inside. And so, um, we need that to accept that forgiveness so that we can walk in love and walk in what Jesus has for us. But then on that flip side of that, 
again, holidays, we don't want to get like caught up in everything and all the gifts and for ourselves, for ourselves. So how do we turn that around and, and point that to how we treat people? Well, here's what I see. We can think of family gatherings this week and beyond. We all know of the family member that is just a little bit harder for you to love. Like, you know that you love them. You're a family. You know that Jesus says you should love them because we're family. Like, you know it. But gosh, there's just something about him or her that like, ooh, they are just harder for you to love. So I have a challenge for you because it wouldn't be church and a gathering to grow more like Jesus if you weren't challenged. So that's what I'm calling you to do. We understand that their cup, they show up to Thanksgiving. This is probably how most of us look on Thanksgiving, shiny and nice. Like, I mean, you don't have to get super dressed up, but you probably took a shower for Thanksgiving. Okay. Like you're going to see people. You look okay. But on the inside, right, we don't know what our family members especially that family member, we don't know what they have going on on the inside. There's so much stuff that people are struggling with. We're all struggling with something that so many people don't know. Like we have no idea and no place to judge, right? So here we are working on our pureness and our forgiveness with God. We need to remember that that family member, that the cringe factor family member, like they they are carrying something in their cup. And we don't know what it is and we don't have to know what it is. Their struggle is their struggle and it is real, whether or not you agree. It is real. So let's not judge them. Instead of the judginess, the impatientness, the frustration that they cause, like let's exchange that this year. No more eye rolls. Like let's just give them love and grace because we know that's what we should do. And the more you like practice it, It'll like dig in and eventually you'll see those things like, oh, well, like, okay, like actually they are pretty, whatever, you know, but it doesn't matter. Jesus calls us to love them and they've got stuff in their cup. We've got stuff in their cup. So let's not judge based on the outside. Can we agree on that? All right. Last point there is let your love be pure and non-judgmental. So look at a cup, look at a dish when you're doing dishes and you're like putting them in the dishwasher, rinse them out a little, you know, you're thinking, okay, like this is what I have to learn from this. So as we wrap up, like the woman in the first story, you don't need to remember my name today. What you need is to remember today here in this moment, you are here at the Grove on 5124 South College, or you're online, right? You are here. And in this moment, let's remember what Jesus did all of the times back in the day when he reclined at people's tables, right? And when he shared food with them and told stories and called people out, let's remember those things. And so those are the three that Dennis put up for us. They're nothing crazy. They're not like super spiritual that you have to be a Bible scholar to know. These are all things that you can do today and the rest of the year and next year. Let your love be warm and welcoming, undistracted and enjoyed with others, pure and non-judgmental. Amen. Amen. All right. So last thing, I have something for you because I know that sometimes we can hear a lot of things and we're still like, "Uh, you know, which one is for me? Like, what am I supposed to do? So I made you a recipe card because again, nutrition, that's my jam. So I made a recipe card and it's really, really simple. Like so simple. You're going to get one of these today. Everyone is. 
And another shout out to Caleb for helping me finish these because I needed some help getting them cut. So these are our recipe cards. It's called a family recipe because again, here we are, we're family. And it is curated and inspired by Jesus because he is the one who teaches us how to live. You can find this in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. The ingredients on this one, I could have put all those things, warm and welcoming, this and that, like, that's a lot of stuff. But behind that is to let our love be, then those things, right? So love is the main ingredient. It's the only one thing. There's a whole lot of things that you could be, but loving would be the most important and that would take care of all the rest of them. If you're loving, you're joyful. If you're loving, you're patient. If you're loving, you're kind, right? Like we could go on, fruits of the spirit, right? So that's our ingredient. Here are directions, there's only two. You ever hate a recipe that the picture looks so good and then there's like 30 directions and you're like, oh, wow, I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, the frozen option looks better. So this one has two directions. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. If you can do that this week, next week, the week after, all that stuff, you're not going to be perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. But if this is what's in your heart, this is what's in your cup, that you want to do this, you'll get it right more often than not. And that'll be pretty awesome. And then because every recipe has a good footnote, I have one for you. The footnote is on the ingredient love. Love. Why is love the most important? 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So there you go. It's your recipe card. Do what you want to do with it. Uh, the back is blank. So if there's something you want to write down from today that you have on your mind about this week, next week, whatever, that's yours, right? Use it as a bookmark. Don't use it as a bookmark. I don't know, but it's yours. Okay. And it's intentional. And I hope that it helps you remember the essence of what we can all bring to the table this holiday season because of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.